Welcome back, true crime fans. It's TJ, the weirdo with a beardo from Wings 93, with another episode of True Crime Tuesday, where we explore true crimes and unsolved mysteries from across history and across the globe. This week, we explore one of the most complicated and bizarre cases in FBI history, and it happened just several hours away in Erie, Pennsylvania, as we dive into True Crime Tuesday, episode number 98, The Pizza Bomber. Brian Wells was born in Warren, Pennsylvania, just outside of Erie, in the northwestern corner of the Keystone State. When Brian was 16, he quit school and went to work as a mechanic. Over the years, Brian worked a series of odd jobs until he landed a job as a pizza delivery driver for Mamma Mia's Pizzeria, a job he held for 10 years. That was until August 28, 2003, where our bizarre and tragic story truly begins. Just after 1.30 on the afternoon of August 28, in 2003, Mamma Mia's received a pizza delivery order for two pizzas to be delivered to 8631 Peach Street, just a few miles from the pizza shop. However, when Brian Wells arrived, he noticed the address led him to the end of a long dirt road at the base of a transmitter tower site belonging to a local TV station. It was there that evidence suggests that Brian Wells was allegedly approached by a group of three to four people, got into a scuffle, and by the end of it, Wells was being held at gunpoint while several of his captors forced him to wear a bomb collar around his neck. The collar was a metal device which operated like a large handcuff and was rigged with explosives that could be detonated, killing Wells if he didn't follow the group's instructions very carefully. According to reports, after Wells had been outfitted with the bomb collar, he was given a nine-page letter containing instructions of what he was supposed to do next. The letter demanded that Brian perform an armed bank robbery, and once the robbery was completed, the letter then outlined a series of tasks that Wells had to complete, uncovering a series of clues that would lead him to a series of keys to disarm and unlock the bomb he was wearing. Wells was also given a homemade shotgun that looked like an oddly shaped cane. And about an hour later, near 2.30 p.m. on August 28, 2003, Brian Wells began to follow the instructions he'd been given, entering the lobby of the PNC Bank at Summit Town Center in Erie, sliding a note to the teller, demanding $250,000 cash in the next 15 minutes. Otherwise, the bomb would explode. After several minutes, the bank teller was unable to open the bank's vault and could only gather a little over $8,700 cash, which she gave to Wells, who quickly left the bank. Shortly afterward, about 2.38 p.m., a 911 call came from someone at the bank claiming a man carrying a bag of money had just left with, quote, a bomb or something strapped around his neck. When authorities viewed the security footage, Wells appeared to be oddly cool, calm, and collected. He patiently waited his turn in line and was even seen sucking on a lollipop while he spoke to the teller. After he'd received the bag of cash, he seemed to stroll out of the door with a makeshift shotgun cane, seeming to swing it as if he were Charlie Chaplin. Not quite what you'd expect from someone being held hostage and fearing death. About 15 minutes after leaving the bank, Brian Wells was standing near his car, ready to move on to step two of his instructions, when he was arrested by police. Officers cuffed him and set him on the ground nearby. While Wells began to plead for his life, 
he explained that he'd been assaulted by three black men, held at gunpoint, and forced to wear a bomb collar, which would be detonated if he failed to comply with the bank robbery and several other demands. The collar he was wearing started to beep, louder and louder, faster and faster, as the bomb squad made their way to the scene, but it would be too late. Minutes before they arrived, the bomb went off, killing Brian Wells instantly. The bomb, however, was so carefully built that it only served to kill Wells himself, focusing on the head and neck area, leaving the rest of the body intact. Authorities began looking for clues on Wells' body, where they found the nine-page note addressed to a, quote, bomb hostage, which outlined details of the robbery and also contained a bizarre scavenger hunt of sorts that would lead to a series of keys which would delay the detonation and eventually defuse the bomb. The note concluded with the words, Act now, think later, or you will die. The case became a regional media frenzy, with radio and television stations covering the incident from as far away as Buffalo, New York, and Washington, D.C. Authorities launched a full-scale investigation which included the FBI, Pennsylvania State Police, and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. The investigation led to three possible suspects, Marjorie Deal Armstrong, Kenneth Barnes, and Bill Rothstein. And that's where our story becomes even more strange. Marjorie was diagnosed as bipolar, among other mental illnesses, and was acquitted of killing her husband in 1984, shooting him six times in what she called self-defense. Marjorie was convinced that her family was rich and that she needed money to kill her father, who was allegedly squandering her inheritance. So Marjorie called her friend and local crack dealer, Kenneth Barnes, who asked one of his customers, a prostitute named Jessica Hoopsick, if she knew of anyone they could use as a gopher, someone who could be scared enough into robbing a bank. She allegedly claimed that one of her clients, 46-year-old Brian Wells, was a, quote, pushover. It would make an ideal target. Bill Rothstein was also linked to Marjorie Deal Armstrong, the two dated in the late 60s and early 70s. Bill was a handyman, also tied to a murder investigation in 1977, but was given immunity after testifying in court. Bill later claimed that Marjorie was the mastermind behind the bank heist. He even admitted that she'd killed her loose-lipped boyfriend who knew about the heist and threatened to tell police. So she hid his body in a chest freezer in Rothstein's garage. Now, when police questioned these individuals, Marjorie admitted that she'd provided the kitchen timers used in making the bomb collar, and that Bill Rothstein was actually the mastermind behind the entire plan. Furthermore, clues began pointing towards Brian Wells being much more than simply an innocent victim in the case. According to several interviews with the prime suspects, they claim Wells not only knew the captors, but was conspiring with them. Several key suspects admitted to knowing Brian Wells, and that he had been involved in the planning of the bank robbery. Several witnesses claim he'd even spoken about the robbery several months before the incident. Another witness says Brian Wells was seen leaving the home of Bill Rothstein the day before the robbery. In April 2005, Marjorie Deal Armstrong contacted the Pennsylvania State Police, claiming that she had information regarding the bank robbery and Wells' death, where she also implicated Bill Rothstein and Kenneth Barnes. Now, she intended on cutting a deal with the prosecutors, but never got anything in writing and just kept talking, implicating herself and several others. After her accidental confession, Marjorie was tried and convicted of felony armed bank robbery, conspiracy to commit armed bank robbery, 
and use of a destructive device during a crime, and sentenced to life in prison. However, she succumbed to breast cancer in 2017 at the age of 68. Kenneth Barnes was in jail on unrelated drug charges when his brother-in-law contacted police and shared details of his crime, which he'd shared. Barnes eventually pled guilty to conspiring to rob a bank and aiding and abetting, sentenced to 45 years in prison, but died in June 2019 from diabetes complications. Finally, Bill Rothstein, the alleged mastermind, the man considered to be the inventor of the collar bomb, was transferred to the Mill Creek Community Hospital in July 2004, shortly after the incident, where he died a week later from cancer at the age of 60. One of the things that makes the story so strange is why, if Brian Wells was working with the rest of the team, why kill him in the process of robbing the bank? Forensic experts had determined even if Wells had completed the robbery and made all the stops on this scavenger hunt list, it still would not have been enough time to remove the collar before it exploded. Furthermore, because Wells' involvement in the bank robbery was never officially proven, no one was ever charged in his death. Even the co-conspirators were only ever implicated in the bank robbery, never for the death of 46-year-old pizza delivery driver Brian Wells, regardless of how innocent or guilty he may have been. And that is this week's True Crime Tuesday story, episode number 98, The Strange and Tragic Story of Brian Wells, The Pizza Bomber. Join me each week for more stories of true crimes and unsolved mysteries. We'll see you next time.